Are there any people in your life where every encounter with them leaves you emotionally exhausted? The backhanded compliments constantly playing the victim, you know, the confusion creator, the chaos craver, the humble hater. These people seem so sweet on the outside, but on the inside, they're arrogant, manipulative, and maybe even narcissistic, where only the people closest to them begin to see the real person underneath and feel the destruction they manufacture. Well, today, to kick off the series on creating healthy minds, since it is Mental Health Awareness Month, we're talking with licensed counselor Angie Hernandez-Harris about toxic people, what the traits are, how we need to listen to that internal alarm that says danger when we're around certain people, and how to respond. She also provides so many great resources in this episode. You don't want to miss it, so stay tuned. Welcome to the Flawed and Favored Podcast. Join our favorite journey team and guests as we share stories, insights, and wisdom on how to work through and find hope in the challenging moments of everyday life. Hello, everyone. This is Farron with the favoredjourney.com team. And, our, and today we are going to be talking about toxic people, toxic relationships, and just what that looks like and what some of those traits are. But I'm very excited today because I'm joined with my friend, Angie, not Angie from Favorite Journey, but Angela Hernandez Harris. And she is a licensed counselor with the state of mm-hmm. Idaho. And she is the owner of Angela Hernandez Counseling yes. yep, LLC. Mm-hmm. In Boise. And another side note, she's also my sorority sister from the University of Idaho Ada chapter. And so I'm very excited to be able to actually talk to her today, hear her voice after so many years and just spend some time chatting with her on things that she knows more about than I do. So I'm really excited. And so Angie, I just want to let you um, kind of give a background of yourself. Yes. Thank you, Farron. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I'm also really excited to be here. You know, I think it's such an interesting topic because like I was saying, it goes into so many different areas of um, of life. And so I think it's a, a poignant topic that we should all know a little bit more about, whether it's for ourselves or for family members or friends. I think it's really important to kind of investigate this a little bit more. I'm a um, counselor, friend, mommy, daughter, sister, wife. I encompass all of those elements, even in my practice, you know, even with with people, a bit separate from who I am, um, but I am a counselor by by trade. And I specialize in the treatment of sexual abuse. And so I primarily work with children and adults who have been victims and are survivors of sexual abuse. In my private practice, I work a little bit more with adults, but in the agency work, I work for a nonprofit um, in Boise, and we work primarily with victims and survivors. Um, And I do a lot of work with children and their families. I really like to use play and narrative and storytelling and expressive arts and just noticing how your body feels and really, really uh, coming into into light with who you are. I think that's part of the survivor story is is noticing what your body's telling you and and listening to those cues, which we'll talk a little bit more about. So I'm I'm so glad to be here. And yes, as Farron said, um, we're proud sisters of Gamma Alpha Omega, and we met. Oh gosh, what back in '99? Mm-hmm. A long <laughs> time. Yeah. It's been a lot so it's always so good to hear your voice and see your face and and know the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to be here. Yay, thank you. So just to get into it, what is a toxic person or what is toxic behavior? 
Yeah, yeah. As I was thinking about this, I was like, oh, you know, we really should give credit to where credit is due. And and so as I think about this conversation, you know, I'm just sharing my own interpretation of what lots of other people have, you know, put together. And um, I think one of the first books that I saw on toxic people and toxic relationship is by a woman named Dr. Lillian Glass. And she wrote a book about toxic people. And she kind of defines the relationship between any people who really just don't support each other, um, where one seeks to undermine the other person. Um, Maybe there's competition and disrespect and overall just a lack of cohesiveness in the relationship. And so I think from that book, it kind of coined the term toxic relationships, Mm -hmm. toxic person. That was back in 1995. And since then we've really seen this evolve and and I think it is a really important word because even when you just say the word toxic in my mind and, and in my in my body I really hear like that as an alarm the word is like an alarm system so I think even the word is a good reminder to the system that maybe there's danger around. And so when we're talking about toxic people and toxic behaviors and a toxic relationship, I think it's one where it leaves you feeling physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually drained. I think that over time, the toxicity sets in and really leads to a, a very unhappy life. I like the, the description, something that I, I use is like, what's more harmful to drink a whole bottle of cyanide or take teaspoons of cyanide every day? Mm. You know, in the end, the toxicity is the same. Right. Um, And so as we're talking about toxic people, I think it's that level of severity that you can also see people. You might see somebody who's highly toxic that right off the bat, you might see some of those signs that this is a very abusive person. Um, Whereas for others, it might be more moderate or low level toxic behaviors. So I think that it's definitely something that we should know the signs about and we should understand also what is a healthy relationship. Um, I think that it's really easy to start noticing all of the ways that something can be bad for us and also not have a really good understanding about what is really good for us too. What is the joy? What does joy look like? What does joy feel like for us? Um, What is love? You know, defining those things. So you know, and as we get into that, you know, I could go into like some attachment stuff, really, right? Like, Mm -hmm. when we think about where do we learn those definitions? Where do we understand what love and healthy and positive feelings connection feels like? Where do we first learn that? Where do we understand and interpret what our needs are. And there's a lot of really great information around attachment and early attachment and and how our caregivers teach us about attachment, whether in an adaptive way or a healthy way or a maladaptive way or really unhealthy way. And so we learn about attachment really early on, which can lead to us getting into some healthy or harmful relationships. And even thinking about that, I think one of the things that also comes to mind is that we don't have a lot of experience with what detachment is like. How do you how do you leave a relationship? How do you get of an entanglement? How do you get out of a web when things get so complex? And so mm-hmm. complicated. One of the things I was reading, if if that's okay to share, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Go into that, you know, is um, this this idea of how for some toxic people. 
people, it can seem really covert. Like there, there are signs and symptoms mm-hmm. of toxicity, but you just might not be aware. You might have a feeling like something's wrong with you or you did something wrong or it's really confusing. It's really hard to notice. Mm-hmm. Um, And so it's like these little bits and pieces of harm to your system that you're really just not sure of Hmm. because a toxic person can be quite manipulative and, and we can get into that too. So, yeah, I, I see that and I can think of a few people where they did grow up in a toxic environment. And so when they get in a relationship, that toxicity is normal to them Mm -hmm. and to get out of that makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about with detachment? Like how do you recognize it and then step away from it? Absolutely. Yeah. I want to point out what you're saying is there's even research and science to kind of back up all of these things about there's a term called highly sensitive person and HSP and somebody who might have actually um, survived a lot of trauma in their life. And this person is typically very sensitive, open, aware, empathic to the needs of others. This person might have a sense of of hypervigilance, which would be normal if they survive Mm -hmm. a lot of, of trauma in their life. But this book by Shahida Arabi is called Highly Sensitive Person's Guide to Dealing with Toxic People. And this is such a great quick read. And she really goes into why that is that we are in these, you know, abusive homes and then we end up with an abuser or we become abusers ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really good point that you mentioned is that the familiarity, I think, is what I've experienced with, um, with even myself, with clients I've worked with that there's a sense of familiarity to harm mm. that that we're seeking really can be what we're seeking can really be per, about protection because many folks with narcissistic tendencies or even toxic people can come across as very charming, mm-hmm. very engaging, can be very self-centering. And so putting themselves at the center, which can also feel like protection, mm-hmm. right? To some people that can feel like, oh, they really are taking care. They're putting themselves first to take care of us, to be here for us, um, right? And so there's a sense of of tricking yeah. that comes into play. Uh, and it seems like in, with people like that, you wouldn't know until you're deep into it. You wouldn't know up front. It seems like it'd be years later before you actually realize, wow, this person may not be good for me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and unfortunately, right? Yeah. Um, like I said, there can be real, real overt signs that this person is is very harmful. I mean, right off the bat, um, your family is starting to notice this person doesn't seem good for you. Your friends are telling you they're seeing a lot of the signs. Um, you're starting to feel less and less like yourself, mm-hmm. doubting yourself, you know, less uh, self-esteem. And really, I had this great, I uh, went to this training one time and they had this great visual of what that really looked like to be in an abusive relationship. Um, and it was about how you know, if we take a, a woman, for example, a woman with abundant circles, so her friends, her family, um, her children, maybe her pets, her home, uh, her social life, her social interests, her hobbies, her work, all of these just abundant circles. And by getting together with someone who is toxic and or abusive, Mm-hmm. right? Um, those circles start to shrink. And and really what becomes then at the center of her circle is this abusive partner. And I thought that was such a great visual to see 
just the shrinking of the yeah. identity. And like you said, it's something that unfortunately can go on for for a while before somebody can say, oh my goodness, I'm, I don't even know myself. I yeah. don't trust myself. I'm uncomfortable. I don't know what to do. I'm lost. I'm confused. This isn't good for me. Mm-hmm. And like even going into the faith side of that, in the Bible, it'll say to seek out wise counsel or surround yourself with that. And if this toxic person is making those things go away, he or she right. uh, is the go-to person mm-hmm. for you. And that's, yeah, I can see how that'd be unhealthy and how if you don't have anybody else speaking into you because those circles are gone, mm-hmm. then you might just end up there for a while until yeah. hopefully you figure out they're not healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I think the messaging becomes their voice, right? Mm-hmm. The internal dialogue is then the voice of the abuser. Um, and and that's so unfortunate because now they're missing their wise counsel. Mm-hmm. They're missing the voice of encouragement, of safety, of family. They're missing those voices and, and even maybe their spiritual voice. You know, many mm-hmm. people that I work with do tell me that they, they start to lose faith. You know, if they have a, a faith that they practice, they will start to lose faith in in themselves and in their spiritual belief set. Their values are diminished and dismissed. Their belief sets are questioned. So it really is a sign and symptom of of an unhealthy or toxic relationship. Yeah. Um, before we go on to the next question, I just want to mention, so Angie has mentioned a few books and we will get the titles and the links to those in case you want to check them out and they'll be in the show notes. So don't feel like you have to rewind or write them down. We'll have them um, available. Moving on to the next thing. So what are some of the characteristics or traits of toxic people and maybe the different types? So, you know, um, in in the book I was mentioning, um, The Highly Sensitive Person's Guide to Dealing with Toxic People, she really goes into how there's like this garden variety type of toxic people who might be more of the um, toxic person who actually could get some work done if they are invested in themselves, who actually could have some empathy and who actually might with some counsel, with some counseling, could um, have awareness and work through some of their own hurts um, mm-hmm. and the reasons for why they're they're projecting um, this harm onto someone else. And so she she definitely talks about those those types, which would be like more lower level and moderate mm-hmm. types of toxic person. But then she really gets into the diagnostic piece, which would be this this can be like a personality disorder. This can be mm-hmm. like a narcissistic personality disorder um, or an antisocial um, personality disorder. So when we're talking about disorders, we're talking about over time, this is now affecting their ability to function, Mm. right? And so um, really you're looking for these people who really demonstrate some basic signs I would say to look out for is that they will gaslight you. I know that that's a term that's, that's used quite a bit, but really they're questioning your beliefs they're questioning your reality. And so oftentimes the victim feels like their reality doesn't make sense. You'll often hear people say they feel like they were going crazy and they will be called crazy. But that constant dismissing of the person, the Mm -hmm. constant put downs and and the confusion, the disorientation about what their reality is. Mm -hmm. Projection is another sign that your partner might be toxic. 
that they're projecting, they cannot take responsibility for themselves. And so whatever they're hurt, whatever is coming up for them, they will often put on to you, um, put on to you and say, no, you did this. And you know, you're the one that's mad. And you're always mm-hmm. mad. You're always angry. And um, so they project their own feelings or hurts, troubles onto their victim. I think that you can really get into, if, if you want to look deeper at this, really the power and abuse cycle is a great tool, I think, to share. And I will share that with you. But it gets into the different layers and types of abuse. So, I mean, everything from from name calling and verbal, mental, emotional abuse tactics, financial, spiritual, dealing with children, using children as you know, a threat or a a way to manipulate. A lot of this though, it is really about power and control and power and control dynamics that a person is needing to feel better about themselves. So a toxic person really has a lot, a lot, I would say of power and control issues. And, and that's like at the crux of, of everything. And as a result of those power and control issues, the symptoms of all of that, if you can say, are all of these things are the gaslighting, the name calling, the projection. But the root is the power and control. And and is it because, I guess it's probably different for every person, but like you said, some of it's from not having that power control of when they're abused as a child or in other areas of their life, if they don't have that, you know, in the workplace or in other areas that they can assert it in a relationship just so they have it somewhere. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that that really is a good question for him, because I think over time, you know, what what we're seeing is that that person, too, has been exposed to some level of toxic stress in their own life. Right. And so when we talk about toxic stress, I love the example by Dr. Nadine Burke Harris. Um, If you're familiar with the ACEs studies and that talks about the adversities to childhood experiences or the levels of trauma that a child could experience in their Mm -hmm. life. And, and Dr. Burke really speaks to this example of toxic stress where it's the example of, okay, you're out in the forest and, and maybe you um, are on a hike and all of a sudden you see a bear and mm. your, maybe your response to seeing that bear is, oh my gosh, and your heart starts pounding and you start sweating and your hands maybe tighten up or your jaw tightens up. And so you're having what's called a visceral response. Your vagus nerve is actually responding to this threat. Hmm. Um, Now, if that bear is something that you see on the regular basis, you you might have a different response, right? But what happens when the threat of danger lives in your home? And so Dr. Burke talks about what if the threat of danger is always there? What if it's an abusive parent who... When you come home from school, you're not sure what's going to happen. You don't know the level of abuse that you're going to endure. And Mm -hmm. so day after day, in and out, this creates a level of stress that's called toxic stress. And the impact that that does on your, your system is very damaging. And so there's, you know, I was reading a little bit more about the science even behind Um, for example, the narcissistic personality or the antisocial personality, whereas they don't, they don't have empathy. 
And empathy has a lot to do with these mirror neurons that are in our brains um, that say, oh my gosh, you're concerned. And I feel your concern and I can see it on your face, right? Mm -hmm. Or you're interested or you're sad or, you know, and we have these mirror neurons that pick up on the feedback of others. And that's why maybe we see a commercial and it's really, you know, it's a puppy, but it's like all emotional and we can, oh, and we might even cry because Mm -hmm. it's such a sweet commercial, right? We can feel that empathy even through Mm -hmm. a screen. But the unfortunate reality, I think, for a lot of people with toxic traits is that they've endured a lot of toxic stress in their life and they um, lack oftentimes empathy and they lack the ability to connect with others and they're missing the mirror neurons that help us be so attuned to what others are going through. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that lack of perception is, is just so harmful because ultimately it becomes about their world and their experience and Mm -hmm. what's best for them um, and really minimizes and reduces the experience of of their partner or anyone, even their children, even other family members. And and that's so difficult because you want to be able to show somebody grace. And when you know people have gone through certain things or have been raised certain ways, and there is a lot of, what did you call the toxic stress growing up? Like trying to find that balance of how much support do I give you? And I want to love you and give you the support, but at the same time, protect my own peace and, and not allow that to take over me as well. So like, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even know how to find that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a great, you know, piece to it all. Really, I think, how is this relationship leaving me feeling at the end of every day? Mm -hmm. Am I drained five times out of seven days of the week? Am I physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally drained? Um, And if so, that's a great indicator. Mm -hmm. What is my body telling me about this person? What is my body sensing? And you know, The hard part is that when we're talking about long-term and complex trauma is that that hypervigilant state is already, is already created because we've grown up in these homes where there has been layers of abuse. Mm -hmm. And so we might already have that heightened sense of instability. And again, kind of circling back to that's why it might feel really familiar Mm -hmm. to get in relationship with somebody, right? Um, And so it is, it's really a hard place to be when you start to notice, noticing what your body's telling you, and then how do you respond to it, which I think kind of segues into, yeah, what do we do then? How do we, how do I help ourselves? How do we help loved ones? How do we identify these signs and, and listen to them and, and make an action plan and what does that look like? And especially if we have limited supports, that's where I think it can be so challenging. Okay. So how would I respond if I'm dealing with a toxic person? How do I respond to them? Yeah. You know, Farron, that's uh, such a fair question. And I also think it's really complex um, because I think it really goes back to the idea that toxicity can happen over the long mm-hmm. term and is not always something that we see right up front. And so that says to me that we've already been living with this person. We've already been enduring the pain and the hurt, and we've learned to survive in that state. You know, one of the things that I was reading about uh, and to give credit to um, Shahidi Arabi was that she talks about this fog state that you're living in of, of fear, obligation, and guilt. And so when you start to notice that, yeah, how do you deal 
with that person. I think what it comes to is the first thing is noticing it. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm not feeling good. This is making me really uncomfortable. If it's workable, if you're with somebody who is maybe considered more on the low level to moderate um, toxicity, is this person willing to work on some of those things? Could we address it Mm -hmm. um, in counseling? Could we address it um, with our pastor? Could we address it um, with a family meeting? You know, are those avenues that we can, we can approach? Um, But oftentimes they're not. Oftentimes, you know, this, this has led to uh, such a severity of abuse that it's time more to take an action plan to get out of the relationship. Um, And so another tool I would say is is developing boundaries. Boundaries is a is also one of those you know star words, those um, mm-hmm. words that we throw around a lot, but um, have a really hard time defining. Um, I think it's really what separates me from you, right? That mm-hmm. is physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. Um, yeah, I think I heard someone say defining boundaries is defining what's my responsibility and what's yours. And a absolutely. lot of the things that your behavior is not my responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Um, I heard it's the difference between two and four. Like I'm not responsible for my partner's behaviors, right? Yeah. I'm only responsible mm-hmm. for myself. I'm responsible to my community. I'm responsible mm-hmm. to my um, loved ones, but I'm not responsible for them. And so I think. Um, noticing that that difference but eventually starting to establish some boundaries and if this is somebody who is willing to work on some of those things well they respect your boundaries and oftentimes you have to set boundaries multiple times before those boundaries are really um, maintained or they're respected um, so it's not going to come without trial. Yeah, some pushback. Come, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Because they're used to having it the way that they want, right? Uh-huh. And now we have to really um, start affirming ourselves, and that can be really hard, especially if we are hearing that our reality isn't true. Mm-hmm. Especially if we are hearing that what we're saying is not valid. So I think it's really hard to start to set those boundaries mm-hmm. um, all on our own. So another step would be if the person's not willing to get into counseling and and work this, I mean, we definitely should find some counsel, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Whether with a close, trusted best friend, I I think counseling can happen anywhere. Counseling is what happens between people in a safe place. Mm -hmm. And I know safe is fluid, but really, I, I know I can tell you about my trials and you won't judge me. And you will give me valid support, um, honesty, and and guidance that's helpful to me because you really you really honor who I am. Mm-hmm. You see see what my needs are, and so counsel could be with a counselor, it could be with a spiritual leader, it could be with a friend, a family member, um, but seeking counsel to get the validation that we need that our realities are are true and valid and what Mm -hmm. we're seeing and what we're noticing 
is right. And then forming some sort of action plan to help deal with that. Yeah. Um, so some of those initial actions, like you said, were setting boundaries. So when we first got married, I we read the book uh, Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if you have any other resources for boundaries. I know one of his suggestions, because people are like, well, you know, you tell me set boundaries. I don't know how to set, <laughs> like, I've never set boundaries, so I don't know how to do that. But he said to just do like the if-then approach. Like, if you continue to talk to me this way, then I will be leaving the house. Not a threat, but just saying, if this continues to happen, then this is going to be the follow-up. And mm-hmm. and just be able to stick to that and not go back on your word in that situation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know what other mm-hmm. boundaries or or resources do you have? Yeah. Um, gosh, you know, I really like the information from the Gottmans. Um, mm-hmm. The Gottmans are um, pretty well known and you can look them up on Facebook, I think probably Instagram and um, or just Google them, but they have so much great information. Um, they're the ones who um, coined the term, uh, the four horsemen to the apocalypse, something mm-hmm. I, I might be getting the words wrong, but, but really what they're saying is like, this is the path that will lead to destruction. Right. And so if we know that we can all have different fighting styles, this is what we can do to correct it. So not only do they give you, um, free quizzes, free literature, you know, um, and they've been in this business of, of boundaries and relationships and marriage and, uh, divorce for the last three decades. And I think they did a lot of their research actually there at, um, do at Washington State oh, really? University. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so they're a great resource. You can take the quiz, like what is my fighting style? And then they give you a lot of information of like, yeah, how do I, how do I say this instead? If this is my norm, then what do I do instead? Um, I think also really understanding what your own emo- emotional needs are mm-hmm. is really important. Um, and recognizing love languages. I know yes. that's a, you know, in the last 10, 20 years or so, that's been a, a book that's really, really helpful. I think that's by Gary Chapman, mm-hmm. um, but talks about the, the love languages. Um, and I think that really speaks to our emotional needs too. So um, I will send you some books on boundaries. I'm reading one right now. I don't know if I can say online, but <laughs> um, <laughs> you can edit this. I, I think I know which one you're talking about. So go ahead and say it. <laughs> well, they, they bleep out, I think, the F, but it's unfuck your boundaries is what yeah. it's called. Karen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a great book. It's so great. I really like it. It uh-huh. talks all about the science and of the brain and just how your body is responding. And, um, and it's a quick read. It's very simple. Um, and it's concrete information, just mm-hmm. like you are sharing, you know, and he talks about, you know, say I and if, right. Or mm-hmm. the, the two cue words that he's giving. I think anytime we can think about, oh yeah, just these two cue words, that's really helpful for our brain. To remember, just use these statements. Yeah, rather mm-hmm. than overwhelming your brain with all this, like, okay, I need to follow this process and do this and do that. And, right, um, like how people are going to feel after this podcast because <laughs> there's a lot of information. Like, Wait a minute, <laughs> I have to give an outline or something. <laughs> <laughs> when you're talking about the Gottmans, were you talking about the Gottman Institute? Is that what it is? Yes. Okay. So I think we've used that in some marriage classes too. It's the Gottman Institute, like going through and yeah, yeah, those were very helpful and very helpful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They did a lot of research on um, being able to predict whether or not a couple is going to 
remain married or get divorced. And I think they could predict with like 95% accuracy whether or not a couple was going to stay in their marriage or get divorced. Mm. Um, But the neat thing I think about it is that they give you some tools to identify why, Yeah, you know, and what's that about and how to do things differently. Um, And so I think if you have a partner who's willing to do that and you're willing to do that and commit to that work, Mm -hmm. um, there can be resolution. There can be more peace. Yeah. There can be joy. And so kind of going back to the earlier conversation is also what does joy look like Mm -hmm. and what does joy feel like and what is safety and how do I know what that is like? Um, I have many people who will tell me that even getting out of a toxic relationship or living in a home with toxicity, um, finding someone who was was gentle with them and mm-hmm. was attuned to their needs and was a healthy and and safe person for them to be in relationship with, um, often will find themselves trying to, um, you know, sabotage the relationship mm-hmm. in some way because they're they're waiting for that bad thing to happen. They're yeah. waiting for this to turn into something awful. And and that really tells me a lot about the lack of joy, the lack of peace. Mm-hmm. Um the lack of safety in their own life. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. So you mentioned, you know, the assessment they do with couples predicting when they, based on their research, if they would get divorced or when they would, if they would be a lasting marriage. And I think like if I would have went in and took that at the beginning, maybe year one or two of my marriage, they'd have been like, okay, you guys are done. Like, (laughs) I don't even know how you made it this long. But because we were willing to work on it and do some hard work on ourselves first and Mm -hmm. then, um, we come back and ask the question again, you know, 10 years later and they're like, Oh, you you know, you guys are fine. You you guys probably, probably make it. um, Just going back to those things. And I think is, is it the norm for a lot of us to have kind of that low to moderate toxicity or to at least have some toxic traits? That's such a good question, Farron, you know, and, and just to kind of back up a little, I wasn't laughing at you. I was laughing with you because (laughs) (laughs) I was also relating (laughs) with you (laughs) as I was thinking about my own marriage and relationship and just Mm -hmm. if you would have, we would have taken the quiz, you know, um, (laughs) early on Mm -hmm. (laughs) to see the predictability. But, um, you know, I think that we're all capable of immeasurable amounts of joy and love and peace Mm -hmm. and connection. Um, I think we're also unfortunately capable of tremendous amounts of harm. Mm -hmm. And that is, I think, just the contradiction that we live with as a complex human um, in our humanity it's that we are complex. And as much as we have been hurt ourselves and we vow not to harm others, mm-hmm. we will. We will harm others. And um, and so, yeah, going back to your point about how do we show grace for others, I, I always ask, how do we show grace for ourselves? How do we show kindness and compassion to ourselves when we have made an act of harm towards someone we love? And And so, yes, we can have these um, traits that we hopefully are willing to work on. 
And like you said, you know, like you and your husband were both willing to make an effort and work on yourselves, your, mm-hmm. on the marriage and, and create something different for yourself, within yourself. And there was an awareness and there was an acknowledgement and there was a commitment to that. And I think that's what it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we all have the capacity to do harm. It doesn't mean we will consistently to the level of toxicity that we're talking about, but, but that we, we can harm people. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we say things that later we're going, oh my gosh, why did I say that? Yeah. Or I feel so <laughs> bad. Or uh-huh. is that person going to misinterpret how I said it? Or was that hurtful to them? Mm-hmm. Did they think I didn't validate their reality? Was I gaslighting that person just now? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think the difference though is that when you have done your own work and you have done your own healing work, um, and you have those mirror net network, um, that mirror network set up that you have empathy mm-hmm. and that you can engage and you can lead with that empathy. And so you can go back and you say, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I did that. Um, I feel so bad. What can I do? Um, how can I help this situation? How can I mend our relationship? Um, whereas you're not seeing that with high, highly toxic people. Mm-hmm. And highly toxic relationships. There's no examining of themselves. They don't ever ask the question, hey, was I rude to that person? Was I, you know, gaslighting? That's not even a thought in their mind is if they did something wrong. I think that um, a highly manipulative person might do that just for the appearance of it. Mm -hmm. Um, You could definitely see that, you know, more in that narcissistic personality where they are really about how do they give off this air of Mm -hmm. the good guy or the Mm -hmm. good girl, right? Um, How do they give off this presentation of being um, picture perfect almost? So in in highly toxic individuals, even they might say that, you know, they have some awareness, but Mm -hmm. not making any steps to to amend um, the harm they've done. So yeah, that's a good question too. As you were reading some of the toxic traits, I was thinking over like what, 13 years of marriage, I was thinking, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I think I did that too. <laughs> At certain points, I could see maybe I did that somewhere in there and or maybe he did that somewhere along along the line. So having the toxic trait doesn't make you the toxic person if you're mm-hmm. willing to work on it. But the, what did you say? The highly toxic person just shows the majority of those traits consistently over time. Yes, mm-hmm, absolutely. And depending on, you know, what kind of toxic person they are, others might see it and might be really in tune with their toxicity and might even call your attention to it mm-hmm. um, as a friend or family member, but others might not. You know, many, um, many people that I work with will will tell me, you know, my partner was able to trick everyone. They tricked everyone at church. They tricked Mm -hmm. my parents. They tricked my family. Um, They were so good at at being this perfect kind of partner in Mm -hmm. the eyes of everyone else. But really in in behind closed doors, um, there was so much harm. There was so much abuse. Yeah. And then I know we're talking relationships, but this could also be friendships, coworkers, even your children or other family members, not just the person you're in a romantic relationship with. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, thinking about in our own jobs and the Mm -hmm. circles that we are in, we can probably say, oh gosh, yeah, that person giving off some some red flags, we like to call mm-hmm. them, right? And I better listen to those. And 
I, you know, we have come up with these terms, like I won't, I won't trust them with a 10 foot pole or whatever, (laughs) you know, we, we learn to listen to our body and to our signals um, that are telling us this person does not feel safe to me, whether emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, this person, there's something off. Mm-hmm. And and listening to that, you know, another great resource is a book by Gavin De Becker called The Gift of Fear. Um, and Gavin, I really like his story that he was in foster care. His mother was in in a lot of abusive relationships, and he learned to trust his instincts. He learned to trust the fear. Mm-hmm. He learned to trust when things weren't safe. Mm-hmm. And and by doing so, um, he's written several books on parenting about like how to teach your kids about toxic people, how to teach Mm. your kids about personal safety, how to um, really be in relationship with your child and talk about these profound things. To your point, Farron, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. just our partner relationships. It's thinking about our kids, thinking about our coworkers, thinking about, you know, community members that we share time with. And so how do we really trust what our body is telling us? Mm -hmm. How do we listen to those, um, what he calls intuitive messengers? that are that are real that is a real message that something is going on and we should listen to those things and sometimes they come up as anxiety sometimes it comes up as hesitation or apprehension or um even sometimes it comes up as a as dark humor as or as a bad joke you know it might come up and and we might catch ourselves making fun of somebody that we actually don't feel comfortable with and maybe that's why mm-hmm. it's coming out this way and in humor is a way that we know we process um things quite often with humor and so yeah listening to those intuitive responses because you know our body is picking up on like i think it's something like 11 million pieces of information at one time but we can only process about 50 of those you oh, know on goodness. a good day uh-huh. in a good moment, right? <laughs> I think I'm down to 10, 10 of those. <laughs> and so I think, um, you know, our body's picking up on so much, but we, mm-hmm. what we can really pay attention to is very minimal. And so the practice of really going inwards and reflection and wise counsel mm-hmm. um, can be so beneficial and nourishing for our system. Yeah, I agree. So thank you, Angie, for giving us all of that information. I know it was a lot of information, but such good truth in that and knowing what to look for and how to respond. And for me as a mom, it kind of shows me like what to look for, whether it's my kid's teacher or people my kids are around to see, is there something, like you said, go, flying under the radar that I'm maybe I'm missing? And, you know, if my kid's attitude is changing and they're they're becoming that we just see a change in them that I have to look at, you know, who are they around and who might be displaying some of those toxic traits that might be affecting them. So just looking at as a mom from that perspective, I can, I can see like, okay, these are things I need to be aware of. So just thank you for all of this information is so good. I know it's going to help a lot of people. Are there any other things that you want to add or maybe things that we didn't mention that you think would be helpful for the listener? You know, something that you just mentioned, Farron, I think is really important is that, you know, another sign that comes comes to mind is is um, this idea of a grooming process. Mm. Um, and a grooming process is really in which the toxic person or the abuser uh, gains the trust of, in this case, when we're talking about parents, of the parent to gain access to their potential victim. Mm. And so they are really manipulative in that approach and their intent can be to um, 
to gain your trust, you know? So I think it's always important um, as we think about that, why does this person want to spend more time with my child? Why are they, um, you know, showering them with gifts, which is part mm-hmm. of the room? Why do they want special time with just this child? You know, mm-hmm. um, that's, I think, more um if we're thinking about maybe an adult spending more time with mm-hmm. with a child, right? And and not to be hyper vigilant as a parent in that sense that everybody is out to get mm-hmm. our babies, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's important to just listen to that antenna, listen to that signal in your body that, okay, there's a curiosity there. I should pay attention to it. I think the greatest gift or the greatest maybe final message I could say is really find time to listen to the inner the inner world that's going on, um, that we all have an inner mm-hmm. guide that really wants what's best for us. That is so mm-hmm. wonderful and wise and majestic. And that is maybe connected to your, your faith, to your spirituality. Um, but I think listening to what's going on, especially in the heart space, yeah, you know, when we can quiet the mind a bit and come into our world, come into our, our wonderful, beautiful body that was created for us, um, that we can find the answers that we are looking for. Well, Angie, we are so grateful for you taking the time to be on the show and for all of the great insights and resources you've provided. And for our listeners, we hope what she shared brought some awareness to your marriage or dating relationship, parenting, friendships, or even um, work relationships. Maybe you realize you've been holding on to a relationship that's been unhealthy for you, or you're realizing there's some boundaries you need to set for yourself. Or maybe this is a wake-up call to admit, yeah, I think I think I might need to get some help or have someone like Angie to help you process some of this. And so counseling might be your next step. And, you know, there's so many wonderful counselors out there and Angie, of course, being one of them. So she does offer some in-person as well as telehealth services. Uh, Just go to our show notes to get her contact information and see all the types of counseling services she provides. Thank you for tuning in. That's all for our show today, but thank you for joining us. Please don't forget to click subscribe and follow the Flawed and Favored podcast. And if you can give us a positive review and share us with your friends, we would love to get the word out to others. We hope you go out today knowing you may be flawed, but you are still favored. We are also so thankful to our podcast partners who help us bring these messages to you. And if you want information about becoming a partner and sharing your products and services with our listeners, email us at info at favorjourney.com. Mm-hmm.